Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Have I Got Moves For You, brought to you by Farmers, Guardian and CMEX, and available via all your favourite podcast platforms. I'm Farmers, Guardian editor Ben Briggs, and in this episode we tackle the often thorny issue of succession. With farms often being multi-generational businesses, it can be tough to talk about the future of the business and what is the right direction of travel for all involved. But it is, ultimately, a subject that needs tackling. With that in mind, I spoke to Ayrshire farmer John Johnston about how he and his family went about sorting the future of the business and came to a solution which suited all parties. I also speak to succession expert and agricultural business advisor Heather Wildman of Saviour Associates. With a wealth of experience in this field, Heather talks about the challenges facing farm businesses and offers some top tips on how to proceed. COVID-19 has dominated all our lives, both personally and in business. However, the call for a cleaner environment has not gone away. The demand of our consumers is stronger than ever. The unknown that goes with Brexit remains. So at CMEX, we understand the need to build a healthy, productive herd is essential. Boldly go forward with CMEX and do what you do best, producing an immunity boost in a glass. To find out more about CMEX, visit www.cmex.co.uk. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, John. I just wondered if you could tell me about your succession journey, really, and what the business was before and and how it stands now. Well, it must have been early 2017. We were a business with um, dairy, dairy beef and sheep. And we got to the stage where, well, by that point, I had two two young kids. And my my cousin, there was my dad and my uncle in partnership, and myself um, employed in the business. And my cousin Heather was um, she was just finishing doing a agricultural college um, as well. And uh, yeah, it was just probably it's amazing how having kids changed my perspective. You know, you suddenly start to look further to the future than maybe I had had done um, before. Priorities definitely changed. Um, for me and um, just starting to think you know where where we're we going and then so I had a week in a <laughs> quiet word um, with my cousin just um, to you know kind of suss things out what she thought and I was delighted that she had she had an answer and um, you know she could say that she would like to be like she wanted to live she, she lived where the dairy farm was and she would like to live there and she would like you know, given the opportunity, I'll check the like a dad's share of the partnership, which, um, you know, as much as I was delighted to hear, I, I, like, you know, I'll, I could easily say to her there and then, like, that that's great, but I don't see my future being here if that's what you're thinking, kind of thing. And, and, and I'd also said that, you know, I wasn't going to challenge her for, you know, my dad and my uncle had worked there, my uncle would live there all his life, that's where my dad was brought up. But I wasn't, I was not going to challenge my cousin for the the dairy farm being the home farm if you know what I mean like I by this point I was I'm, I was living on a another rented farm just a mile round the road um which didn't like you know just be basically if I was taking it on it would be a beef and sheep farm and that's kind of where we were um and as I say I was kind of looking for opportunities then to like you know how we could move things move things on and so from that perspective how did you move the conversation forward what were the what were the next steps for for you as a family to, to kind of discuss that succession journey? Was it by luck or chance or is it because I was looking for um, something? Um, I'd been taking part in um, a series of Princess Trust meetings 
reason I took part in that was because it was something that would take me outside my comfort zone within the business because it meant to be part of that thing I had to ask a few questions that for information you know on, on some of the side of the business that I perhaps hadn't seen before and then through the, these meetings we were given the chance to have a meeting with an expert you know from some part of the industry that would be of benefit to you know to our own business and because Heather Wildman was the facilitator for these meetings and knowing she also did succession stuff I kind of realised that perhaps that um, you know if there was an opportunity to get this meeting um, through her um, because I did feel that probably it was pro- it was something that you know we probably all know was maybe needing to happen but like having an outside um, influence like you know somebody to make things happen um, really like you know have that com- help have that conversation you know because then we could say can have a meeting with Heather Wildman at this time, you know, we all sat around the kitchen table and listed our goals and took it from there and, you know, I think it all worked really well. And so how did Heather help you then, John? Was it that, you, you talked there about sitting around and listing your goals, but was it about trying to discuss with each other what everybody wanted out of that, that next step? Yeah, she took down, you know, some bullet points to start with, of, you know, with the ultimate one being that, you know, we were ready to, to split the business and, you know, a few other things, um, you know, that that go kind of hand in hand with it. And then she, like, you know, allocated the certain things that needed done between getting in touch with different people and that kind of thing, you know, between my dad and my uncle, you know. It's all things that, like, technically you think you could do yourself, but it's amazing how, with the help of somebody, you know, pointing out this is what you need to do, um, you know, and people people get things done, things done when... Um, you know, when, when you're working to a deadline, really, like when she says, like, have this done by then, you know, that kind of thing. And then, and at that point, with the first meeting, we arranged for a second meeting, um, you know, just as a catch-up to make sure things were moving. Um, and that, so that was it, really. We just needed the two, the two meetings with her um, was enough, um, you know, to, you know, obviously you still had plenty of stuff to sort out yourself, um, but those two meetings were enough, you know, as, as make everything happen, um, really. Something that, you know, obviously, um, actually, well, through the Princess Trust, you know, was, we got the, the first meeting was free of charge or paid for by them um, that way. But, you know, the second meeting, you know, obviously the charge. And if you'd said, you know, this is how much you'd have to pay for it, you'd been like, oh, no. But that money, you know, was money well spent anyway. Like. By having somebody like Heather involved... Did that help take some of the emotion out of it as well? Because I understand, you know, I'm from a farming family. You're dealing with people who are, it's what they've done their entire lives. It's quite often how they identify. And then you come along with either a new idea or the need to, to move things along. And it, it can be quite a, it can be quite an emotional thing. And it's also not something that we kind of do well often as farming families so did having heather involved just kind of make it a bit more of a of a business procedure and a bit more procedural in that sense and definitely yes you know even just a simple thing that you know she brought a re um flipboard thing you know and writing those points down and down and allocating jobs to people you know rather than thinking that the you know that you're doing the whole thing everybody just had a wee bit to do you know and you get the big picture that way and so how do you how does the business stand at the moment then what was the what was the situation you came to and how did you, how long did it take as well There was a new partnership created between my dad and myself it was like November November 2017 and um it did take a wee while you know to get a lot of the things through between the different 
bodies that we had to go through to get like you know the new business between banks and you know even just getting the the farm and stuff the holding numbers altered and stuff like that um, you know but essentially from November 2017 we were, we were trading separate um, as, as two businesses from then. What is your farm now then what do you run on your unit? So and again you know it was amazing how even though we thought we had a big business as we were we suddenly when we split it it was amazing still how much money was needed, um, you know, to keep going. Like when you when you thought you had half a business, um, uh, and then so now we have kind of we're still, you know, we're only what, three years in. So it, it, the first year when we, you know, half the stock as such, like it was great because you know we had a lot more family time and stuff. But essentially, you know, we could quite quickly see that it wasn't enough to pay the bills. Um, uh, you know, so we had to quite quickly look for. You know, I will, you have to make that decision: do you look for more, or or do you look for work off, you know, off um, off farm? Um, but we, you know, made the decision, my dad and myself, that you know we wanted to. Ideally, we'd like to, you know, be farming for ourselves. Um, you know, it was that would be the that was the ideal. Um, so that's what we tried to do by, you know, well now there's about eighty beef cows, um, about eight hundred sheep, different. A few different breeds of sheep, eight hundred ewes, if you like, eight hundred breeding sheep, um, and also, you know, the opportunity came up just not long afterwards. But the business, a neighbouring farm, a hill farm, they were looking to take on somebody just to supply the, the, the labour for looking after four hundred blackface ewes, like on the hill. Um, and so again, it was it was an opportunity that was on the doorstep. You know, we were never. Well, I suppose you ever know if anything's right, but it seemed like we had to. It was an opportunity that we had to take, and I'm glad. I'm glad we did because I'm now just started my third year um, in that, and uh, I think it works works well, and and I really enjoy it. Which I suppose in farming is probably as big a thing as any, um, because you know, as a we're being twenty four seven. If you're not doing what you like, you know, you can complain as much about the weather or the prices and stuff, but if you're not doing what you like, then what's the point? And so, are your cousin and uncle farming on the the other unit as well now? Then, yep, they've um, they've continued the dairy on the other farm as well. And you mentioned there about doing something you liked. So you didn't you didn't particularly see your future in the in the dairy industry as it as it was. And you you preferred the beef and sheep side of it. I pro- only probably because you know, I, I quite, when I was younger, I went and milked other people's cows, and that, you know, I didn't. I, you know, again, circumstances kind of dictate like. Had I been born into a family where it was just my dad and myself, and I'd, and we had a dairy, you know, I'd quite confidently say I'd still be milking cows now, um, uh, you know. But at the time when we split the business, I wasn't, I wasn't willing. I probably didn't even have enough knowledge on the business side of things, um, you know, to to take on the amount of you know borrowed money that would have been needed to to take on, a, you know, a, a dairy system, um, you know. At this farm, I'm sure it would have, it would have been an option um, had I really wanted it. Um, you know, because obviously when we were splitting the business, because there wasn't a dairy here, we took more beef cows and left the dairy cows behind. But you know, had I been committed to wanting to milk cows, I could probably have taken. You know, we could have split the dairy herd could have been split in half um, as well. Um, but as I say, it was probably a financial thing that I just didn't have any knowledge or you know experience and running a business to to know what was involved in you know borrowing money and um what would be needed for you know to set up a dairy system 
But as you say as well, you're, you're kind of doing something now that you really enjoy. So whether it's the beef and sheep on your own unit or looking after the the blackies um, nearby, that's something that you that you know that you particularly enjoy as part of your career and your job, as it were. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh-huh. It's probably just for me. It's animals. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very. I'm probably a kind of person that's very easily swayed one way or another by people's arguments so therefore you know had it been dairy I'd have been happy had it been beef girls I'm happy or sheep you know um, I'm, I'm probably a person that's quite easily swayed that way um. and how old were you when you started you know back in 2017 when you were on the Prince's Trust course and you were obviously say you've got a couple of kids of your own so you were looking to you were looking to start doing that but how old were you at that point and and was it was it having kids of the your own that really push you forward to to make that to, to make that call i would have been what would i have been 33 um back then in 2017 um and i suppose part of my kind of journey when i was younger i played a lot of sport so therefore i was quite happy working on the farm you know, during the week and at weekends, you know, whether it was football or curling, you know, I was maybe away weekends or, or playing football on a Saturday and then and then no doing very much on a Sunday. Quite happily doing my work without overthinking the work side of things on the you know during the during the week. Um and then but I kinda got to the stage where, you know, I stopped playing sport and farming was beginning to interest me. Like, you know, everything is beginning to see beyond the, you know, just your basics of the farming, like all the, you know, statistics and, you know, the, all the, what would you call it, like, um, all the kind of finer details of, um, you know, the farming was beginning to, beginning to interest me, whereas when I was younger, it, it probably didn't, you see, I was just quite happy to do the work um, before. And then therefore, when you, once you maybe start getting, seeing the details of things, you start to see how you could do things better or different, you know, no, maybe not necessarily better, but um, in your own eyes, you're seeing it different, um, you know, and then and then you're looking for that chance to, you know, to act in these things. Um. Do you think as a farming industry, then we, because you'll be the same as me, you'll hear of lots of people who don't tackle the succession issue, they don't tackle that next generation. Do you think we as an industry have a problem about talking about it and looking at it, or or is it kind of something that you see is more individual to, to each family and each farm? Vast majority, you know, people will not have discussed it, you know. You know, because we've been been through it just recently, like, you don't want, like, you sometimes see negative examples of it and you don't want to be like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that because, you know, it's always easy to sort somebody else's problems and, um, you know, when you've got, always got plenty of your own to worry about. Um, but... Yeah, you know, as a whole, it does seem to be something that continually crops up, like that's never been discussed or that kind of thing. Obviously, you you say that you farm in partnership with your dad. Is succession and because obviously he'll he might want to retire at some point. He might not want to retire. What you know, whatever his uh, viewpoint is. But is that something now that you've been through that process of? of splitting a business and sorting it out, is that something that if that was to arise again that you could deal with a lot more confidently um, between the two of you? Um, definitely. Um, I think, you know, we can can discuss these things um, a lot more open, you know, because it, it wasn't easy having to tell my dad that, you know, that I didn't see my future being at the farm that he had, he had built up. Um, you know, simply because I was ready to move on, you know, and he, you know, he 
came with me, if you like. Like, um, you know, no matter what maybe he was feeling inside, he, you know, he was still right behind, he's still 100% behind me. Um, uh, you know, and I can, again, having kids yourself, you can probably see why, you know, you you would do that. Um, um, so now, hopefully, we know he's, at the minute, he's said that he's, like, he doesn't want to, no, doesn't want to retire, but... Um, he's happy, you know, the way things are, like he wants, needs something to keep him busy and that kind of thing, um, so, um, you know, we haven't, should I say, we haven't, dis- <laughs> there isn't like a, you know, a yearly plan, like, you know, this will happen this year, that year, you know, it's just at the minute, um, you know, we're, we're happy to go as we are, and I'm, I'm always open to, you know, um, would your dad say that he's looking to do, do less, but I'm always, you know, looking to make sure that, Hopefully that he's not doing too much. Um, yeah, and I think I think as you say, isn't it having that being able to have that conversation whenever you need it? You don't necessarily need a yearly plan, do you? If you can, if you've got the confidence and the relationship to be able to chat to each other, then it puts you in a good position. It do, and that and it doesn't matter whether that's a family partnership or you know a corporate world as well. If people are clear about their intentions, then it just makes everybody's life easier, I guess. With John giving such a great insight into how he and his family proactively tackled the issue of succession, Heather Wildman points out why, in the ever-changing world of modern farming, talking about the issue can help tackle the expectations of all generations involved and ultimately secure a future for the farm business. One of the things that I was talking to John Johnston about was just how difficult starting the discussion around succession can be. And I was just wondering, obviously, this is a, an arena that you have practised in for a long time, but what what do you think are some of the major challenges for farmers when it comes to talking about succession and starting planning for the future of the business? I think for many, it's, you know, when you talk about succession, it often immediately makes people think, oh, we're talking about one person is going to die or someone's going to die, and we don't want to tempt fate. I've heard a number of folks say, oh, no, we're not having that conversation because it's going to tempt fate and, um, and it'll, it'll, you know. Uh, or it's the fear of sounding greedy and uh, pushing people out. Or it can also be making people have to decide what they want to do before they may be ready. So there's a lot of sort of dancing around rather than just getting stuck in and just saying, right, well, where are we? Where do we want to be? And how do we get there? You know, what what are your expectations? What do you enjoy? What are you looking forward to? What do you think your career is going to be? And how do you think that'll look? And where is it for all of us? And the sooner you start, it, it, it does give a lot more options, but it can be a little bit awkward. I do appreciate that. Getting somebody like yourself involved who is coming from outside the, the business is uh, a bit more dispassionate about the decisions that need to be made. Do you think that's an important thing for farmers to to do, just given, obviously, often the multi-generational nature of the industry and how emotional those bonds can be back to the farm or the business? Some families can manage it brilliantly without anybody else coming in. They just seem to have a way of just dealing with it, get it out on the table and, and, and getting it done without even thinking they've done succession planning. It's just a natural way that they talk and communicate. For other families, I think having an independent person there, A, it makes everybody behave. Um, We do behave differently when there is someone else in the room, or most families do, not always. Um, And the, the facilitator is able to ask 
questions without, as, as you've said, without having any of that emotion and the history and maybe some of the family baggage. We just ask simple, straightforward questions that any business would be looking at if they were doing their due diligence. You know, what are the plans? What would happen? What are the risks to the business if someone died or got hurt? Um, who is going to take over the business? What are your expectations? Where are we going to have a skill gap um, and an ability gap? So, um, yeah, having an independent, and it means everybody gets a chance to speak because also sometimes in families, depending how, you know, hierarchy and everyone sits within the family, some people, you know, it's one person that does all the talking and the other people just follow. And do you find that happens quite a lot in farm businesses, maybe then? Uh, maybe more than other sectors in the sense that you have those those very strong characters and because it's often a, a family as well that they can kind of override other people and uh, and keep other people from expressing their opinions and, and what they want out of their careers and the business longer term. I think that's one of the, the negatives of farming is that everyone thinks, oh, we're farming, it's different. Oh, but we're a farmer, it's different. Actually, it shouldn't be, but they make it different. Um and they seem to think, you know, it's an excuse for not getting on and getting it done. Um, yes, there's a lot of um, value involved in the land, which is maybe slightly different to other businesses and types. But if you take that out of the equation, it's just governance and it's just been organised and structured. Um, whereas with, with farming, um, I suppose also many, it, it is changing. It used to be that they didn't have an awful lot of outside maybe influence and people, um, whereas now people are working away, they're working on farm, we've got social media, we've got consultants and, and things coming into farms that would be challenging that maybe traditional steady way of thinking. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that because obviously the... The younger generation coming through, how you know um, what they want in terms of lifestyle expectations. You see more and more um, farmers now, uh, younger farmers who want to spend time with a family as well as running a business, or have maybe worked off farm as well. Do you think that's changing the the emphasis and maybe the openness and willing to discuss uh, the future than if you went back a generation? Yeah, definitely. And that is the beauty of farming. It offers so many different ways of life um, and living. And, and you know, the lot to farming isn't about the money. It is about where we live, where we work and what we get to do uh, in our day to day um, lives. But I think that one of the biggest fallout points is managing expectations. Some people, you know, really can live very, very frugally. They don't need a lot to be happy. They're very content. You know, they could live quite comfortably on maybe four or five hundred pounds a month because their needs are, are limited and but you know and, and they're just really happy with what they've got. Other people, because of a, a lifestyle choice, you know, that wouldn't even go anywhere near to beginning to meet their expectations. You know, they may be looking to go on holidays. They may be looking to go through private schooling. They may be looking to, you know, reinvest and do hobbies and loads of different things. So they've got a greater expectation of drawings from the business. And, and where disparities can come in is when that's not discussed at the beginning. And, and, you know, one's not right, one's not wrong. And it used to be that, you know, any farmer could make a good living from farming, whereas now really, really good farmers can struggle to make a consistent profit 
um, of a suitable amount that's needed to service all the debt and to give the lifestyle expectations of every parent that's in the business. So I think if you if you sit down and say, well, what are our expectations? What would we like from the business? Now, it might be that the farm can generate that as long as we all know and we can find ways of evening people up, whether it even just be through shares in the business rather than through capital. Or it might be that, and we just had this with a family that I was working with last week, where you know, one family member just wants to bring 10,000 out of the business. The other guy, because he's got children, family, his wife's going to have to give up work. He's going to need a minimum to meet his mortgage repayments, everything else. He's going to need at least 25,000. So having that information, we're able to sit down as a family and say, what could the business afford? And then how is he going to meet the gap? if he still wants to work at home and the family definitely still wanted this partner to work at home. So he was going to look at doing some independent consultancy. And then when we looked at the model he could bring in, it was actually quite liberating for him that he could still do his day to day, bring his children on the farm, be a farmer, but actually have that freedom to go and work one, two, depending how many days a week he needed to bring in that additional income. Is that one of the big changes that you're seeing in particular around, you know, like we were saying, a new generation of farmers that, that want to treat it more as not necessarily a job, but they have outside interests because I know it from my own family circumstances that my parents and uncles who have who have farmed, it's their entire life in a way, whereas a younger generation might have outside interests or the hobbies, they want to go on holiday. And, and I guess there can be a conflict there between the expectations of one generation and the other. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, you know, there's working efficiently as well. You know, just because we've got seven days to fill doesn't mean that we need to fill it. And and I think there's a lot of time management and organisation that, you know, that with farming, there is always something to do. So there is always an excuse to, to not do something else because we've, we've still got more to do on the farm. Whereas, you know, if you are really structured and you've got a wedding coming up, you've got a long weekend, which used to happen, um, you know, it's amazing if you're working a three or four day week, how much work you can get through really efficiently rather than, you know, dragging it out. Um, you know, because I think that is one of the, the, the one of the images that we really have to address in agriculture is this working 24 seven and becoming a martyr to the farm. And, you know, are you working smartly or are you just getting your head down and, and, and being busy? But are you being effective? And I think nowadays, um, you know, the new generation of people are coming in. They're recognising, well, we can do the farming in this certain hours. If we're organised, we get everybody together. Yes, we've got the weather, but, you know, the, the weather isn't the default for everything. We can still plan for wet or dry days. And that then still allows us time in the office to budget, to paperwork, to do um, quotes for things. And then also to get away and have family time and to switch off from the farm as well. Yeah, I think that um, that notion of working smarter, not harder, is uh, is key, and it's something you 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 try and learn in the corporate world, particularly. But it's very hard in farming, isn't it? Because there can be a perception sometimes that you're not working hard enough, whereas actually it is it is just working smarter and just switching your brain up. Yeah, and it definitely is. And I hear, you know, a number of people saying, "Oh, when I'm in the office, you know, I, I get that. Oh, you're skiving." 
And I said, well, that depends if when they come in, you're sitting watching loose women eating, you know, chocolate biscuits with the Labrador on your lap. Or, you know, because, you know, time in the office, you know, that's £500 an hour work if it's done structured and efficiently. And it is trying to get over that gender and the, the, the generational change of what is what is hard work. And it used to be working, you know, 24-7 outside, tending the stock, working the land, hands calloused, tired. You know, that was a proper farmer and working hard. Whereas realistically now you do still have to do that. But some of that can be outsourced to contractors, you know, to younger people that you may be working, paying 10, 15 pound an hour. And that then allows you that quality time in the office to get quotes, to, to do subsidy grants, applications you know, filling contracts, different things like that, which is, you know, realistically can be anything upwards of £500 an hour in effective reward. And how important do you think it is, whether it's in relation to succession, whether it's in relation to business strategy going forward, that that you encourage farmers to set a bit of time aside for just simply thinking and idea creation? And it's not something that sits naturally with the industry because as you say it's a very hands-on active industry but how important is it for the industry as a whole to kind of buy in that time for for planning and 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 to just give yourself some some headspace really I, i think it is really important but then you've got to be careful you don't do too much of that as well there's always a balance um but i i like to think that you know, for me, it's walking the dogs. Every day I'll, I'll go and walk the dogs and if, if I'm stuck on something or I'm um, frustrated or I can't find something's difficult, it's bizarre just getting away from the office, from the paperwork, from the computer, out in a different environment, how it all just falls into place. And I think we've all got different ways of, of, of bringing that to our, our four minds. And, and it, for other people, it'd be, you might be have someone you pick up on uh, and have a conversation over the phone. Oh, I'm struggling with this, bounce some ideas, and you think, oh, God, it was there all the time. Why couldn't I think of it? And whereas when we're just head down, we can get ourselves into quite a bit of a rut. And also, if, if we don't stop and look at where we are, we often don't see how much we've achieved. And, you know, in agriculture, we do, there's not a lot of praise. There's not a lot of well done. There's always something more to do. There's someone doing it better, someone doing it quicker, or there's somebody else expecting something from you. Whereas if you do do some, you know, some plans and some goals and you do set a time, and I've got one client that once a year, it's generally the first weekend in February, they go away as a family and they review their goals and they all sit down and say, right, what have we achieved? What's gone well? Um, what didn't we achieve and why and what are we going to do for the next 12 months and they say as a family they now absolutely thoroughly look forward to this weekend because it's focusing them um, and they're quite competitive so they're looking forward to, to sort of seeing who's done the most but also it's quite good to say well why didn't it work and is that still important now and because things change so that is another way of when you do stop and review just because it was important and it was a priority then with this changing marketplace and climate is it still and where our family needs and demands are is it still a priority are we focusing our time and energy on the right thing and and having that time to stop and to think and and to celebrate as well I think when things have gone well you know harvest has been particularly challenging this year for a lot of people you know, and you could just beat yourself up and be really negative about it. But do you know what? We got through it. We got it in. 
um, you know, and, and have that time to write, okay, what have we learned from it that we don't do again or that we make sure we would do for next time and then move on. And obviously this podcast is in association with CMEX and, and focusing on the, the dairy industry. When you're working with dairy businesses, which tend to have more of the economies of scale as well, are there any issues around that sector that you tend to pick up on when you when you go and work with those businesses? I think um, succession in the dairy sector is is quite an interesting one because it's looking at your skill set, looking at your family. And, and I, I don't think we promote our industries well enough you know would you be a dairy farmer when you come in when you talk to people do you say I love my job I've got the best job in the world you know I get to work with cows I get to do the breeding the genetics I get to see the next stock coming forward the pride in that you know producing this wonderful nutritious healthy milk that is feeding the nation and keeping the nation healthy Unfortunately, we maybe don't hear enough of that language from our farmers when we're on farm. So therefore, the youngsters, the kids um, and even staff members coming forward, you know, is it an aspiration to take that career themselves? Um, and I think that's where we have to do look as, as role models um, in our businesses and think, you know, what, what lead, um, leaving example are we setting? And, and would you work for you? Um, and there is some dairy farmers that are fantastic out there absolutely brilliant and I would love to be part of their business and their families you know because they are just so inclusive so forward but they have fun as well Ben and I think that is one thing you know a lot of businesses I don't know who stole the fun out of farming um but you know by having some time some work some rewards and that you do get to have time off you then start enjoying your job again and and i think dairy is a bit more advanced than some of the sectors in that market in that you know we're used to having contractors relief milkers um the talk of weekends off but they are still long hours but i do think a number of the sector now are changing their the working structure you know four hour shifts um you know five day weeks um and looking at maybe having more team members on their on the books but doing less hours because I think that has changed now nobody really wants to work 12 hour days six seven days a week um, and they may be looking at more of having two or three jobs so if you've got two or three people coming into milk and I hear farmers say but Heather the cows are still going to be milked but it is amazing by tweaking it slightly how you'll then get um, you know people from the town wanting to come and do an, um, an afternoon feed the calves different things it is it is looking at how I don't think we can keep doing it the way it's always been if we want to really be an attractive business going forward and in industry and sector and just finally to any farmers out there thinking about succession what would just be your top tips um, in terms of making that first step and, and, and what are the fundamentals if you need to do if you're thinking about going on that succession journey? I think before you have the conversation, you've got to think about what you want. Um, so I always think, what's your vision? What's your dreams? What's your goals? Because it's really frustrating when you start the conversation and everyone says, I don't know. So you need to start from somewhere um, and then you know, put it to the, the family, what you're thinking, and ask them, well, what are you thinking? Where do you see yourself? So for me, it's the vision. What is everybody's vision, dreams, goals? Where are they now? Where do they want to be? Then how are we going to get there? Then who do we need to communicate it to? Because it can, if, particularly if you're in dairy and you've got managers and you've got staff, if you've got a family member coming home from university, from college, or they've maybe been working in another industry and coming back, that can be unsettling to the existing staff, thinking, where does that leave us? So it's looking at the skill set, 
and then thinking and you need to know your business what is your debts what's your borrowings what's your income can you afford to bring another family member into the business um, and what are the provisions for anyone that's maybe looking to retire do they need to keep drawing from the business or have they got enough pensions and other investments to keep them separate and you know there, there isn't a right way and there isn't a wrong way and it makes me um incredible i'm so privileged you see how innovative some families are with quite small businesses that could really bring quite a substantial living for a number of family members whereas there's some large enterprises that just don't seem to be able to to engage and, and get other family members involved at all so it's where are you where do you want to be get everybody sitting down and um, before the stress before there's fallout before there's health issues and before there's financial issues um, because that does change um, the dynamics and, and even if folk is uncomfortable in the fallout you know get it all on the table and then take some time away to think about it maybe get some advice whether it be from the accountant or consultants or whoever and then come back again and get everyone to come to the table with some ideas and then work it through from there and you know for some families it can be done very quickly that was the lovely thing that we with john it was actually quite straightforward what worked with the partnership and everything for his family but others to do it tax efficiently and to do it correctly it can be quite a, a long process that's why the more time because none of us know how long we're here for and you know the sooner it's said the sooner it's written down so everybody knows and then god forbid if anything does go wrong everybody knows what's happening and where all of the paperwork and everything is as well a huge thanks to john and to heather for their time one of the things Heather said off air was how important it was to have a how-to guide written down in case somebody exits the business, either in a planned fashion or, sadly, if the worst should happen. With so many farm business operations existing purely in the head of the person who runs the business, it's key to have instructions written down somewhere so that, should the worst happen, at least people know how to go forward from there. Well, that's it for the latest episode. Remember, you can pick up the podcast from your favourite provider and there will be a new episode of Have I Got Moves For You available soon. But from me, Ben Briggs at Farmers Guardian and the team at CMEX, thank you for listening.